0: Welcome home to a life without limits, where you honor your alignment, nourish your soul and awaken your inner goddess. Some days we fly, some, well, we've got your sister. Abundance is your birthright. This is your remembrance. Hot Mess Goddess, juicy conversations for a luscious life. Today, I'm thrilled to be chatting with writing coach and publishing consultant, Lynn Denise, also the facilitator of the Woman Rise book that I learned so much from through publishing my story. Beyond that, she's a true stand for every human being, finding the readiness to heal from their own personal narratives. I truly adore this woman. Welcome, beautiful Lynn Denise, to the Hot Mess Goddess podcast. You would not have no idea how excited I am that you're here. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's one of those things I kind of think that I'm saying every week. It's such an honor to have you here, but I'm in awe of the women that I get to play and create with, and you are no exception. So welcome. It's just such a privilege to have you here today. Thank you so much. And we were Mm. chatting a little bit beforehand about bios and how we introduce people and how you want to be introduced. What you read out was just stunning. Did you want to share that? Because it's just amazing. I write bios, so of course that excites me.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm a writing coach and publishing consultant, but beyond that, I'm a true stand for every human being to find the readiness to heal from their own personal narratives. So I help people discover and remove the victim, shame, blame language that's still holding them back from standing in an elevated story of themselves, a version of themselves, right?
0: Ah, see, that just touches my soul because that is exactly what you did in the beautiful book project like our book is now out. So I don't think I've even spoken about that in the podcast yet. So Woman Rise, you facilitated this beautiful book project that is now in the hands of women all around the world. Like it's just so exciting, such an exciting time. So can you take us through the process of how you manage that?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I worked for a publishing company for a few years. I went back to school and got my leadership an HR degree. At the end of that, I hired a coach because I was not really sure which area I wanted to go. And I wasn't loving the idea of sitting in an office pushing paper in an HR role. So my coach said, well, why don't you focus on the leadership part of your degree? And from that place, I began to coach and consult anyone who wanted to write and share their story. But at some point, I kept hearing that I needed to write my story. I needed to walk the walk. I needed to guide others from being in that place firsthand. So long story short, I was working with my coach again through a financial breakdown. And we were just talking a lot about connecting with spirit and looking for an answer to my divine purpose. I've always... Known that I loved supporting women. And it came to me that I wanted to support women globally and create an impact that went around the world. So, from that place, after connecting with spirit, really listening for an answer, Tracy, one of the other co authors in our book, had reached out to me and said, Hey, what do you think of this guy's program? Do you think I should publish my story in his book? And I said, Leave it with me for a couple of days. Let me think on this. I have an idea. From that place, I decided to facilitate a group writing project where we would, in collaboration, publish a book together, really, is to make that long story short. And so I really had this sense that my role as the leader and facilitator of the group was first and foremost to initiate and create the excitement, really get into people's why, why they would want to write and share their honest and real truth. And also really empower them to step up into their zone of genius throughout the process. And different women would come forward at different times and be very valuable in the creation of this end product, which is Woman Rise. You being one of them, helping with all of the editing of all of the stories, like how incredible is that?
0: Oh my gosh. It was such a beautiful thing to do, to really dive deep into each woman's story in that way too. I loved that about the project. It wasn't just like a typical program that you would say pay to go in. It was a really beautiful co-creation from all of us with all of our different zones of genius. We all just flowed beautifully led by you. It was just incredible.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I wouldn't say it was all beautiful. There was definitely some messy parts too. And I just love the fact that your show here is called Hot Mess Goddess. I relate to that (laughs) title like unbelievable because part of my coaching through the process is having writers understand that their first draft is a shitty first draft and it's okay to be in the mess of it. And you and I always say you cannot edit a blank page. So getting comfortable, but with being in the mess
0: Yeah, absolutely. And because, you know, I am a writer, but I've never really focused on writing my own story. I always write for other people. So diving into my own words was one of the most healing experiences that I have ever been through. And I never imagined it would be like that. So yeah, you're right about the mess, but I find that beautiful as well because it was so healing. Also the mess of like all these women coming together with all their own ideas and differing views sometimes. Like it was really messy, but really beautiful at the same time for us to co-collaborate like that. I never imagined how healing the process of writing and then sharing your own story as well publicly.
1: Mm -hmm. And I just want to back it up for a minute here because you seeing the mess as beautiful is an elevated version of the story of the project. And that's exactly what we talked about in the beginning. So how cool is that? I love that. Yeah, it
0: it wasn't beautiful experiencing parts of it at the time, but obviously once you come through it, yeah, it's so beautiful. I loved being in the mess though, because you always know there's going to be something on the other side of that.
1: Yeah. And every woman was just such a mirror for our next level of healing and elevation on our own victim shame, blame, all of that. It just We had such an opportunity to really find freedom within ourselves and laugh sometimes at the silliness of the mess and some of those things (laughs) that come up. And also really hold each other's feet to the fire when we wanted to bolt or run or not be with our story anymore and really call each other back in to the circle and in to the support of it all, right? How incredible is that? Writing... Your own personal story. I don't think I would want to do that or be with my story without the support of other women holding me in it.
0: Oh, 100%. Because when you were talking about those sort of initial reactions that we have, I'm a runner. It's like, oh, no, I'm just going to run away from my problems. Thank you very much. And having that group you couldn't run because there were women that had your back. And it's like, are you yeah. okay? It's like, yeah. Oh, I'm just struggling. Like people are going to read this stuff and all the emotions coming up as I'm writing it. Even it was, yeah, I would never want to do it without the support of at least one person. And you do that beautifully.
1: Yeah. And the visual I just got is that game that you play when you're a little kid where you all link arms and someone tries to run through and break through. And they can't because everybody's standing and you're just like not letting them out, not letting them out, really holding them in that to find that healing and that elevation. How incredible. One thing that came to mind too is even writing my own story and and leading the group at the same time. When it came to getting my own story in, I started to really struggle and I didn't see that coming at all. But uh, you all just held me in that so beautifully too. And the other thing I noticed was really not only for myself, but as I was writing, the ghosts were coming into my world again. Right. And I know that happened for a couple other writers in our group. So really in our face to heal it, it was like some of the things that happened were just incredible. You're like, wow. Okay. So I invited that back in too, for me to really look at.
0: Yeah. You would never have imagined it, would you? The stuff that comes back up to be healed when you're writing your own story and putting that pen to paper. And just bringing that stuff up. That's what I was saying. It's the most healing thing that I've ever done. And that was the surprising part for me.
1: Yeah, cool. And the longer the program, the deeper the work, right? Because it did did, originally, my intention was to have everybody write one chapter. So simple. You can write your story in a chapter, have it like written and edited and ready to go to the publisher. We can have that all done in six months. No problem.
0: (laughs) And you know, in, we probably could have, but the fact that we allowed ourselves to dive deeper, like obviously I'm an editor. So I think my story was self edited at least 10 times before it went through the official editing process. And that was a really interesting thing I noticed as well. And with each woman in the project, was that every time we self edited, the victim language was removed more and more. Like when you first Mm -hmm. write your story, like we all go through shitty things. Every single human in this world goes through shitty experiences. And when you first start to write, you can, like, I didn't know that I still felt like a victim in some areas. And it's not until you go through that editing process, which can take a few months, really, if you allow it and read it with fresh eyes, you can see that and heal through that. And then the story changes. And I loved that about it.
1: Yeah. And for me, even like the avoidance of wanting to be with my story again to actually pick it up and self-edit it the next round, you know, there was some massive resistance there. And that was sort of some of the the weeks that went by and it was like, okay, yes, I'm ready to look at this again. But also that gentleness of really caring for myself in the process of honoring the time and space away from it before I was ready to be with it again. Like you almost had to kind of build up the courage to go and look at it again, right? (laughs) And then it wasn't so bad. But sometimes there's that resistance and you think, oh, I don't want to be with it again. I don't want to be with it again. And then you are with it again and it's not so bad. And like you said, you start to see that victim shame language getting removed, but also not glossing over the actual story because we don't want to deny and spiritually bypass what happened to us either. And it's really important to tell that story and that truth of who you are and the journey you've been on.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's what I loved about the Woman Rise book. Each woman's story is so incredibly different, yet so powerful. And I just love the way all of us came together with totally different lives and different countries and and created something. Each story is going to be relevant for someone.
1: Yeah. And then when Sonia shared that, because we landed, we started with a couple more people than the nine of us. And in the end, it was the nine of us. And when Sonia shared that the number nine and the significance of it, meaning in service to others, that was just like giving me chills up my spine when she told me that. I brought in a book as something to read. While we were writing our stories, and it was uh, Sophie Bashford's book, You Are a Goddess. So really remembering the divine person that you are. And the nine Avalon priestesses.
0: Yes. Here yes. to serve
1: others and that our stories will serve others. And that was one of my initial selling points to you, ladies, was that your story matters and it is having the courage to tell it is going to save someone's life someday. You never know who's having a really, really hard time and finds our book as their source of strength. And you know, so many books have been that for me, including You Are a Goddess by Sophie Bashford. Reading has always been my saving grace. Yes. Having a good book on the go when I'm going through a hard time is just books get me through those hard times. So that is really what I saw for our book, too.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm the same. I think that's why we just gel so well. One book changed my life, and books, even as a child, you know, I was an avid yeah. reader as well. So I never thought I would write one. So that's been a big thing. But how has the process, because you obviously guide women to write their own stories as well outside of this project, how has writing and leading this project changed the way that you work now?
1: Uh, In so many ways, in so many ways. I really do bring in the spirituality of it, honoring the divine message that wants to come through you as the writer. And the little sort of tips and tricks and tools to get yourself into the creative writing flow. Oh, cacao ceremonies. Oh my gosh, you speak to my soul. Yeah, anyway, to open up those creative channels and really get out of your own way and just let it come through you. Everything else can be cleaned up after with great editors. There's so many hang-ups for new writers, especially around the perfectionism, around the structure have to be a certain way and perfect because, you know, that's how we were taught in university or college, that it had to follow the exact structure that yeah. the professor wanted, right? So to kind of like remove all of that and really get into the creativity of it. Really connecting to a vision and a purpose has been profound even in this last week for us as you had an anonymous donor come and purchase a large amount of books for women's shelters in Australia. Like that just gives me chills and in a good way because you know my story, it starts in Australia and to have women supported in Australia my vision was to support women globally. And here we are. And so to really always reconnect to your vision, your purpose, your why, like this is just me standing in that right now. And I get to share that excitement with new people that I'm working with.
0: Yeah. Oh, how incredible is it? Because none of us knew our individual dreams at the time. And one of mine was to get books into women's shelters or into the hands of women who could really use some hope because when I was at my lowest point, a one book changed my life. And I wanted to be able to give other women that gift. And so I was trying to figure out how to get personal development books, you know, that women had already read and didn't need anymore, trying to gather them all up and put them into women's shelters. And I had so many roadblocks in that. And then here all of a sudden, in the middle of a global pandemic, this beautiful angel turns up and said, I don't want any credit. I'm just buying all these books. I don't want to receive them. You take charge and make sure these books get into the right hands of women that really need them. And so my heart absolutely exploded. I'd almost thought, oh, I'm never going to make this dream happen. You know, little old me in a regional town, like, oh, it's all so hard. And then suddenly it all comes together. It's just such an indication of keeping that dream alive, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. And can I just share a little story with you? The first time I realized that a book could change my life was literally probably weeks after I had arrived in Australia. And I walked into the cutest little bookstore and I saw Louise Hay her book, You Can Heal Your Life. So that is the first book that I purchased on my journey in Australia that I couldn't put down. And I was like saying to my girlfriend, Jody, I'm like, you mean if you think positive things and say positive things, your life will be positive? Like really? Okay. And I was so into it. And that to this day, whenever anyone asks me what's the number one book that changed your life, I say, Louise, hey, you can heal your life, right? Because that was the starting point for me of this entire journey. And here we are, like 20 something years later, and we're having our book in Australia changing other people's lives. Like it's just mind blowing. Absolutely
0: mind blowing. And oh, (laughs) heart exploding at the same time.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: What are you working on next now that this book is out? Obviously, we started a movement, which wasn't what we were thinking of doing either, but a movement Mm. got created with this whole book project. And that is now. Happening and it's a reality and it continues. But aside from that, what are you working on?
1: Yeah, I have a small intimate group right now supporting other women who want to write their story. But beyond that, I'm really into following the inspiration and following that thread. And like you said, we had no idea this was going to turn into a movement. So the ideas are just popping in for us and Currently, I'm manifesting donors for women's shelters in Canada and the States as well. Because as we are in this pandemic and domestic violence is on the rise... That is so much of what I'm healing from in my story, and I want other women to be supported in that too. So that's what I'm currently working on: the energetics and the manifestation powers of, you know, bringing this book into the right hands of whoever needs it. Yeah, that's
0: that's amazing. And one thing leads to another, as you say, like to have this donor come up in Australia. It sparked so many ideas with all of us on. Oh my God, what is actually possible?
1: Yeah. So when you ask me what I'm working on now, I'm following that thread. And that is what excites me and lights me up. And so I'm going to follow that thread until I no longer need to follow that thread anymore. But yeah, just love supporting women, love supporting new writers, getting them into the writing flow and the creativity of it. I also have a four day a week corporate job too. So I'm doing some leadership coaching there as well. And it feels wonderful. I love it. Everything I do is in support of others right now. And it just feels so good.
0: Oh, that lights me up no end because I am a fellow follower of my inspiration rather than having this big set plan for my entire life. Like 20 years ago, I never would have imagined I'd be sitting here doing a podcast with somebody from Canada, yeah, yeah. just that our stories have intertwined the way that they have. So I love following my inspiration as well. How does that look for you? Like so many people think they have to have this set plan and this rigid idea like a career path and the way things are meant to go for them. And if they don't go that way, then it's a disaster. How do you flow now with that?
1: Yeah, that's not me. I love living in flow. So to be honest, and I've said this before in other people's podcasts is like, my inspiration and ideas come in the shower. So I hear what I need to do next. And I follow that. And it's as simple as that. And right now too, I'm homeschooling my beautiful boy slash not homeschooling him. It's (laughs) crisis schooling. So I'm working on my relationship with him as well. And there's just, yeah, it's just really living in flow. I'm practicing being in the now and asking myself every day, what's going to serve me best? What's going to serve my highest Self best. And beyond that, what's going to serve others best today? And I just keep asking that question and listening to what comes through, right? Even if it's like, hey, you need to lay on the couch all day and rest for it. I really believe that when we rest, we're resting for something and the next thing that is to come through us, right? So, yeah.
0: Oh, so perfect. Do you have a favorite daily ritual other than asking yourself that question? Do you have any little favorite rituals that you? Yeah, doing or does that flow and change as well?
1: It flows and changes for sure. So, with the seasons and the reasons and all of that. But uh, last weekend, I followed the inspiration and the guidance through a guided visualization and a hypnotherapy session I was in to go and buy red roses for myself. And from that place, my whole place got cleaned because I wanted the roses to be honored. And in that, I was honoring myself. So we cleaned out a bunch of stuff packed the car with some donations just worked on the energetics but then the next day on the Sunday I recreated my altar which I talk about in the introduction of our story so one of my favorite rituals is to create a beautiful altar with each item that I place on the altar it has meaning to me and I call in the intention of what I desire to come into my world and so uh th- last weekend there was some pine I love pine for grounding. I brought in some soil. The goddess Aphrodite came out. She wanted to be near my altar. The devotion goddess Pavardi wanted to come out. And uh, a piece of bark paper for the new writers I was calling in. So again, just really connecting with spirit and using all the senses, smells, touch, feel. As writers, we definitely dive into all of the senses, right? Aphrodite in this season really represents the senses. So that's sort of how I do my ritual. <laughs> oh. Other than med- yeah, meditation, I love if there's some days when I'm going through a hard time, I'll drop into a meditation or guided visualization three times in that day. So nightly for sure. That has helped me so much, dropping into guided visualizations and meditations.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. Absolutely. Beautiful. I love the things that come up in these conversations, like the different ideas you get to to just expand and try new things and play and grow. I, I just love it so much. So thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And also I know like it is something that everybody is sharing on today. So there is validity to it. Meditation is working for a lot of people. And so if you're listening and you're not into guided meditations or visualizations, I really would challenge you to, to step that up for yourself because it's honestly finding joy and happiness is in that place. I think personally,
0: (laughs) yeah. Oh my gosh, same. And one Uh thing that I've discovered in that, that's probably worth sharing is I get really restless during meditation. And Mm -hmm. I always thought meditation had to be done cross-legged in a certain way, hands in a certain position. I was just, I thought that's how it was meant to be done. And then I started listening to them at nighttime because I was not sleeping well and listening to those just sent me to sleep immediately. And then I just figured that it was going into my subconscious, so it was all good. And so I was doing them lying down. Then I discovered someone sent me this beautiful album and they called it a meditation album. It had some beats in there. And I found myself standing up and moving my body and just eyes closed and dancing around. And that was the most beautiful form of meditation I have ever experienced. And that was only recent. And I realized then in that moment that there are so many ways to meditate. You can walk in nature and just notice all the beauty and and joy around you. And that's a form of meditation. There's not one set way to do it.
1: Yeah. And that's like creative writing. There is not one set way to do it. It's creative writing and creative meditation. And that when I got that meditation didn't have to look a certain way and it got to be what felt best for me and my body. Yeah, that's an incredible, incredible change in my life too.
0: Yes. Well, let's go back to the writing process because so many people want to actually be a writer or even just to write their own story, if nothing else. So can you share one of your processes on how to even start? Because that blank page can be really stressful for some people.
1: Yeah. And so the simplest way to start is start with your three sentence story. In three sentences, give me your beginning, your middle and your end. And from that place, you can start to think about where you wanted to start your story and what that pivotal moment is. For me, I chose to start it with a little bit of a hook. So, bringing in the incident, you know, a lot of writers will start with the incident and, and hook the reader into the excitement of it, right? Or, holy, you know, the shock of it. Yeah, I started with a little bit of a shock story in the beginning. And the best writing tip is really if you can't figure out where to start, to just write it was a dark and stormy night. And then just see what comes through after that, or, you know, have that one little lead in line because you can change it all after. Right. But it just gets you writing and in the flow.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. Or even if you don't like the dark and stormy night because you're thinking, but it wasn't, it was like during the day you can start (laughs) with once upon a time. Yeah, exactly. As simple as that, right? And then it all gets, you know, once you read it back, that's the self-editing is something that I'm really passionate about because so many people think that they just write a draft and then send it off to an editor. And it's like, no, you've got to like really get involved in your own story. Like walk away for a good week, come back to it with fresh eyes and you'll read it in an entirely different way. And then the rewriting starts and it's such a beautiful and really important process of writing, writing anything.
1: Yeah. I love trying on different points of view. And so with one paragraph or one page of your story, rewrite it from the other point of view, right? Or the other person's point of view, or, you know, zoom the camera out from... You know, off of you and onto the other character. There's so many different little tips and tricks you can do in that sense.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that. I hadn't thought of that one.
1: Yeah, I love that one.
0: What other advice can you give for people that are wanting to write their story?
1: <sighs> I would list out all of the pivotal moments in your life. A lot of people get hung up on the timeline worried that they're not going to get it all right, or usually it's the inner circle people they're worried about pleasing. So to kind of burn that people pleaser, and it doesn't have to be, you know, memory is a funny thing, right? And, and yeah. sometimes it, that will actually stop people. Well, I can't remember the date of when that happened. That one little thing, like the date, it's creative writing. It doesn't have to be exact. This is, again, we're not handing in a historical essay for our professor and the dates have to be exactly right, you know? Just yeah. so kind of let that all go and really get into the playfulness of it. I think we can take ourselves so seriously. And so I try to really remind people that it can be fun and joyful and silly. And, you know, you can just bring in a bunch of different wild characters if you want. Like, just go crazy. It's a blank page. Have fun. Be as creative as you want. And again, it can all get edited and shaped as you go through the rough draft process to self-editing to all of that. Because in that, there's going to be some golden nuggets, right? You can talk about Stephen King-sized novels and how they get like chopped and trimmed right down. But there's so much gold by just letting yourself be free and getting out of your own way.
0: Yes. Especially when you're writing your personal story and not something that's fiction. One thing I found too, is if you let it all out onto the page, one, you get that healing that we spoke about earlier, but Mm -hmm. from that you can, you know, and some things you have to look at like defamation and things like that, Mm -hmm. those sorts of things can be pulled out.
1: if be. Those are perfect for the self editing process to go in and edit your story for things like defamation of character. But in the beginning, if you're putting that block in your way, the juiciness is just not going to come out. Yeah, so, it's
0: important to put it all down on paper first.
1: Yeah. And how fun is it to burn those things? Because it's so symbolic that, you know, when you're burning those words and burning that page after it's really releasing and letting it go too and so I just i feel like you feel so much lighter through that process every time you do another draft it, you just feel lighter and lighter as you go on yeah
0: yeah each of us found that in mm. the woman rise book it was incredible to see the process of everyone go through it somewhere in their mm. mess somewhere in their freedom of like oh my god look what I've just let go I've been hanging on to that for 20 years I was one of those i hung yeah. on to something for 30 years and in this writing process I was able to let it go. And I never imagined that when I came into writing my own story. Just yeah. incredible. And if I didn't put everything down on paper, that would never have happened because a lot yeah. got taken out. Yeah, but to write it all down in the first place is so important. What's an mm. al-
1: yeah. I think I use the tar analogy for that, like that dark, thick, Tar stuck in your body. And as you start to move through the writing process, you're warming that tar up and having it come out of your body. And like suddenly it's like this light colored oil, (laughs) no longer tar, that thick tar stuck in your body, right? (laughs) I love the
0: way you describe things. So (laughs) once we've written that story and we've gone through some self editing, maybe can you share because you've worked in the publishing industry. Can you share mm-hmm. what happens next? Like what are yeah. the options?
1: Mm, there's so many. So there's the traditional publishing route, which takes a little more time to go through. The people who are getting traditionally published these days are already highly skilled writers who already have a huge following. If you're famous, you can get picked up a little easier by a traditional publisher because they're putting out the, you know, the money for the story and marketing and all of that. Then there's the self-publishing route, which you as the author remain a little more in control of things. So you get to pick your cover design, your title, like it's all you really. And you also get to hold on to a little more of those royalties than when you're traditionally published as well. And then there's the DIY where you can actually... Go and do the entire process yourself where you're working with designers and people who will lay out the inside of your book to a professional standard and then also get it into the right file forms that Amazon requires and and places like that to actually sell your book. So yeah, there's quite a few options definitely to publishing your own book. We could spend a whole episode on that, I'm sure. But as far as the steps, so once you have your from rough draft to self-edited to then you hand it over to an editor who can run through and copy edit, content edit, and then final proofreads. So once you have your manuscript as perfect as can be in your eyes, that's when you can hand it over to a self-publisher who also can go through quite a few more proofing rounds in that stage too before it actually gets to... Live on Amazon.
0: <laughs> yeah, and into bookshops. I had someone yes. ask me the other day if you self-publish, how do you then get your book into a physical bookshop?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of ways. One is consignment. A lot of self-publishers will teach you how to get your book into stores on consignment. Some of the bigger bookstores, again, it's once they start seeing a lot of sales, they're more likely to carry one or two copies of your book in the bookstore. So it really is based on demand for the book. They are all linked into a system where if you walk into a bookstore and say, do you have this book? They will go into their computer and see it show up, you know, in those channels and say, you know, I don't have it in right now, but I can order it in for you. So they have access to order it in through the print on demand model as well.
0: Uh, Can you share the print on demand for listeners to really comprehend, like when you're self-publishing, you may not have to buy 5,000 copies of your book to sell, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So gone are the days where we have to sit on our inventory and order a bunch of books and then hope that they sell out of our back trunk. It's all based on this beautiful interweb that we have, where you can just go online, search it, There's not a bunch of our books printed in a warehouse sitting there somewhere. It's all based on the print-on-demand printer. So as soon as you click order. That book then gets printed and shipped from the big print-on-demand printers. It was Lightning Source Inc. a few years ago when I was in the self-publishing model. I'm not sure if it's still called that today, the one here in in the States anyways. I'm not sure what the print-on-demand printer is called in Australia. We'd have to do a little digging for that. But yeah, it's all interconnected and incredible that our book can be available on amazon.uk.au.ca and .com. So it's yeah, all there.
0: Pretty much all around the world.
1: Yeah. And that is like an add-on that we had in our publishing package where it was the enhanced distribution, as they called it, so that we could make sure it was available through all those channels too. So that's just something that if you are doing it yourself, you're going to want to look at if you want it available globally or just in your country, that kind of thing.
0: Right. And so generally, if you're going the self-publishing method, then your publisher knows all of that and they give you those options as little add-ons.
1: Yeah, it depends. There's so many different self-publishers out there and different ways that they work. But you definitely want to do your research into self-publishing and know the company that you're working with and just make sure that they're credible as a self-publisher as well?
0: Yeah, one thing we found too, like we were lucky enough to have your knowledge and so we didn't have to search around for a self-publisher. You already knew that information. But one thing I loved about ours was because our book came out right at the beginning of this global pandemic All our book orders from Australia and New Zealand were suddenly just, who knows when they'll be available? Like they were all ready to order. We put all the pre-orders in and then all of a sudden it's like, who knows? And so our publisher, the one that you took us through, Mm -hmm. they gave us the print files. And so we were able to take that to a publisher in Australia and have them printed for our Australian New Zealand readers, which was amazing. Whereas some publishers don't give that up.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So that was uh, super important to me after talking to another lady in Australia who had her story written and published in a book in the States. And then suddenly the book price in Australia was way too much and they couldn't get the print ready files and do printing on their own. So that was definitely something that I negotiated early on in the process was to make sure that we had access to those for that very reason. Yeah. One thing that you want to look for is that will they release the print ready files to you? And if so, is there a charge for that?
0: Yes. And also Mm -hmm. the royalties, like let's talk royalties here. Mm -hmm. And well, let's be real too. First up that a lot of self-published authors won't become millionaires from their first self-published book. That's a reality that many face. You know, there's mm-hmm. now business women that self publish a book because it gives them the authority in their business, or there's some that just want to publish their story because it is so incredibly healing. There's all different reasons for writing a book. Yeah. Royalties generally isn't one of them, but different self publishers offer different royalties as well. Like, I had no idea, I thought it was a standard thing.
1: Yeah, a lot of those companies will keep part of the royalties for themselves as part of their business model. And I definitely looked for one that would honor and offer 100% royalties to the author, right? So what we really paid for was their guidance. And you could include different things like editing and book cover design and all that can be done in-house with a self-publisher. So if you don't have graphic designers that you work with, then it can all be done under one roof and they guide you through that process, which is really nice for newbies. One thing I coach new writers is that writing and publishing is a practice and you're never going to get better at it if you don't get in the arena and get in the game, get in the arena as Brené Brown would say, right? That's why I call one of my programs, my eight week program, Just Begin, because you got to start somewhere, right? And there's no better way to learn the writing process and publishing process than going through it yourself. You're a lot more passionate when you are wanting to publish your own story and find the best. Way to do so. And when it's your baby, you're taking care of everything and you're looking at everything and you're reading about every which way to go. But that is one thing that I can help with because it is a sea of information out there. So I can cut through some of that for my clients. That trusted person that they can go to and say, like, you know, what do you think of this company? Or what do you think of, you know, this graphic designer? Or things like that. It's just sometimes nice to have a person who's been through the process to actually guide you when you're going through it too.
0: Yeah. You have a whole stable of experts at your disposal. Yeah. You know publishing companies, you know, graphic designers, you know, book marketers, you know, editors, of course, you've got this whole group at your disposal, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. And tried and tested too. And also knowing that some people are going to be a fit for some people and then others aren't going to be. So yeah, it's having that like network of people that you can tap into and guiding people to the right person for them. Like I have some incredible uh, web designers now too. And there's so many different price points when it comes to building your website and your branding and all of that. So I can really guide people like within their budget, who to go to, right?
0: Yeah. And one thing too, like I never imagined writing my story, which I've said, but I never would have done it on my own. And Yeah, me neither. You know, having that guidance was something incredible. And I don't think I even came into the project at the beginning when everyone else did. It was a sister circle that I was in that one of them said, oh, you should like share your story in this project that we're in. And so I came into it not knowing anything and had no idea what was going on. I didn't think my story would be good enough. Like all these things come up for us, right? Like, oh, who am I to share my story? Why would anyone want to read it? And what am I even going to write about? Like these women had been destitute, had been victims of the most incredible domestic violence, had been near death experiences. And I'm going, oh, like, you know, I'm just a country girl. What? Why is my story significant? And it's not until you all get in there together that, you just realize, you know, having that guidance from somebody professional like yourself to guide you along that process, even to just infuse that belief into yourself, like your story matters. Mm,
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for seeing all of that. That's so gorgeous. Mm, Yeah. And I just knew I couldn't write my own story alone too. So, you know, to have everyone support everyone is just a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I have had clients, one-on-one coaching clients who have written their story and we got through the writing process and got that first draft out and they walked away and that's okay too. For them, it was just, wow, I actually wrote a book, but you know what? I got what I needed out of that. All I needed was the healing and now I can let it go. And that's another choice. So yeah, there's so many different reasons for writing and publishing and just really understanding that it is up to the person to decide if they're ready to share that story out in the world. And that in itself, even as our book was launching, I had stuff come up right? Oh, same. It's not easy to do. I'm not going to like gloss over that. It is not an easy thing, but it really gets you standing more in who you are as a woman and standing in your voice and really letting go of what others think. And that's been the most incredible healing for me to really stop giving a fuck so much about what others think and their perception of me, and really just owning all of who I am.
0: Oh, so powerful. That gave me goosebumps because <laughs> we spoke about the healing of the writing process. And I think I had my story done pretty early compared yeah. to some of the others in the group. So I'd let it go for months. And then once it was time to publish, I freaked the fuck out. It's like, yeah, oh, I thought I was done. I need to go back and change my story oh, I need to change this. I need to change that. People can't read this. Oh my God, people are going to read my story. What are they going to think? All of that came up for me as well. And I thought I was done and happy. You know, my story was written and I thought it was written okay. And I've edited so many times, but once it gets published, shit gets real. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And so that's one thing that I really talk about is like learning to share your story with one other person first, because we did the feedback swaps. Each woman had to find the courage to suddenly share their voice vulnerable story with another woman. And through that feedback process, well, you should talk about that because I remember you talking about how valuable that pure feedback swap was. Yeah, I'm just going to stop right there and let you go now.
0: (laughs) Oh, look, it, it actually was. It was with someone that was so different to me. It was with Tracy, who grew up as a stripper and a drug addict and all of these things. And she read my story and there were bits that she didn't understand because I was so close to my own story. That when I write it, I write it from the perspective of I already know what's going on. So for someone to come in with who's never seen my story or know, doesn't know me, they saw it in an entirely different way and there were gaps in there that they didn't understand. And so I was able to go back and provide clarity. So that was, to me, a really important part of the writing process that I never imagined either. Because we always get told, like, don't show someone your story while you're writing it because it's just a freaking disaster especially family because the critics and all of this stuff and they they're not a professional they don't know what they're talking about right. but sharing it with someone that doesn't know you I wouldn't recommend sharing it with family either, to be honest. But for me, sharing it with someone that I'd never met in person and that didn't know me or my story provided a lot of clarity.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah. So you get comfortable sharing it with one person and then you get comfortable sharing it with another person in the group. Suddenly you're sharing it with the whole group. So you're now comfortable sharing it with a small group before you're sharing it out in the world into the larger audience, right? So it is about getting comfortable in sharing as well.
0: Yeah, true that. And for those that don't write as part of a group process, you know, maybe have someone that doesn't know you as well read it first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And even sending it to the publisher is scary enough because you don't know them and they're looking at your story and editing it and reading it. Even the editor is another way to actually have someone else read your story and give clarity on those gaps.
1: Yeah, cool. And there are beta readers out there. That's what they're called, beta readers. One thing I would suggest too, though, when you are handing your manuscript or story over to a beta reader that you don't know and don't have a clue where they're coming from, especially if you find them on the online platform, I would suggest implementing a non-disclosure agreement, right? Because there are content thieves out there too. So just bringing in the the balance of that and also having something in place for that.
0: Yeah. I'm not even sure, like, obviously I'm not the expert in that area, but I'm I'm not even sure I would recommend that. Like as an editor, I would suggest finding, because there's different sorts of editing, you know, there's raw editing of your first draft. Even if you're really stuck on it, you can have an editor come in and give some clarity and some content editing on that raw manuscript. Mm -hmm. Or once you've self-edited a few times, you can get an editor to come in and edit that for a different price point, or there's just the copy editing. So there's all different types of editing as well. And I think a paid professional can provide a lot of clarity there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so that paid professional, I don't want to use the word should, but most likely will offer you to sign a a non-disclosure agreement too. We've we don't do a lot today.
0: We have, absolutely. Oh my gosh. But I think we should do a whole episode soon on the publishing process alone. I think that yeah. would be really valuable for listeners because I know so many women, particularly right now, want to publish their own story or want to write a book, whether it's their own personal story or whether it's to do with their business and their branding to really mm-hmm. solidify them as an expert in their field. That's that's a whole nother arena. So yeah, let's do another episode soon on the publishing Publishing process.
1: Cool. Yeah, you bet.
0: Oh, and before we go, I should also let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you.
1: Cool. Thank you. I can be reached at Radastory, that's R-A-E-D-A-S-T-O-R-Y at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram once in a while at Lynn Denise Writes, but I would say my main hub is Facebook. Definitely you can reach me through Messenger. We also have the Woman Rise Movement page and those are both on Instagram and Facebook at Woman Rise Movement. So you can reach me through there. You can reach me through my RADA page on Facebook or just my personal page. Yeah. So many different ways. I know. We also have emails in the book. And at the end of Every Woman's Story, lynn at womanrisemovement.com. So you can also find me or send me an email there. So many options. So many. And...
0: I think I should just say too, if you go to Woman Rise Movement on Facebook, you can also see parts of our story and there's so much juiciness in there and so much value and you can get a feel for what this movement is all about and the difference that we're trying to make. So I Mm. would definitely advise to go there.
1: Yeah. Thanks. We would love you to follow us there and be a part of the movement yourself.
0: Oh, thank Thank you you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Mm. Sally, you are always a pleasure to spend time with and share space with. You know that. And I just want to really thank you for being such a beautiful support to me throughout the entire process as well. One thing I think when we talk about leaders and leadership is that people forget that leaders need support too, right? So you really gave that to me. And I just want to thank you so much for that.
0: Oh, you're making me cry. Thank you.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care,
0: love. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to subscribe, leave a rating or a review. It really does help get the word out and it helps to share the wisdom of my beautiful guests with more women.